Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the 1099 for the week of March 12th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is award-winning actress, voiceover artist, writer, the voice of Aya from Assassin's Creed Origins, the one and only <laughs> Alex Wilton-Regan. Alex, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, it's weird, I really did not recognize. Maybe Do you mostly do games that just have origins at the end? Is that like your idea? I do. Like... I was, I was um, uh, several different characters in Origins and... Uh, some other characters in uh, Dragon Age Awakenings. I really only do things that start with the word dragon in them, actually. <laughs> I made an exception for Assassin's Creed. They was like, oh, deviation. Um, but but it worked out all right in the end. So, well, yeah, that's, it's, it's funny. You did mention like dragon at the start of things. And you do a lot of <laughs> high fantasy because there's also like, divinity and stuff like that. I mean, yes. you don't always get to choose. I did exactly, a game called but... Dragon Commander as well, oh, by the see, way. Well, so still, I really, it still I really do do dragons. <laughs> <laughs> was that it's hard because you don't always get the exact job you want but is, was that intentional was it like an area of interest for you when you decided to pursue the fantasy stuff of games uh not really but what i do love is the fact that a lot of these games that i end up doing they um they've got really good character arcs and character developments so i i would say that that's more what i lean towards like big stories expansive worlds um, RPG, you know, the more that the player can get involved and the more that I can get involved as an actor and act, the better. So I, I kind of, I, I prefer that genre to, you know, first person shooters, for example, although I, I will do those as well. Mm. Um, but I, they don't give me as much meat, you know, from the yeah. bone, um, as the other games do. And it just so happens that I've ended up doing, you know, uh, fantasy stuff um, in relation to that, but as long as it's a, a a good character and a big story, then I'm I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to to go with whatever. Yeah, and it feels like there's a lot more options these days for stuff like that, like yeah. Assassin's Creed, like a Dragon Age, or yeah. like a Mass Effect that just it lasts people hundreds of hours. And in a lot of ways, you're yeah. voicing multiple threads in terms of a story where like maybe it'll go this way so i have to do all the different dialogue for if this branching yes. went that way um after talking to abu bakar a couple of weeks mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. I, I felt like this podcast needed to happen because he had like the most high <laughs> praise for you possible i was gonna pretend that he was just shit talking to you but that's not the real case um, <laughs> it seemed like he fell in love with voicing games during this project uh, which was his first one was, was yeah. it fun working so closely with someone like him who had this yes. acting experience but was so new to this yes it was i mean the thing about abu is he is just a beautiful beautiful human being so it's it's impossible not to love him you know um and uh i mean hell even my boyfriend's fallen in love with him now so you know <laughs> it's like and actually abu's fallen in love with my boyfriend so we're just in one one big three-way love fest to be honest with you and like zora who plays cleopatra will pop along as well and you know um and join in the shenanigans so um he's uh no he's very hard uh not to love in fact he's impossible not to love he's completely brilliant He's ridiculously talented and young and handsome and already really <laughs> successful and way more successful than I am. And I'm like six years older than him. So it makes me feel very insecure. I'm not going to tell him about that. this podcast because he's going to get the biggest head after this. Like, it's just, that was He'll the most... listen to it. He'll listen to it anyway because he's so freaking nice and supportive. <laughs> so he'll be like, oh, he'll text me. He'll be like, babe, I listened to your podcast. I thought you were wonderful. Oh and I'll just God. reply, stop it, Abu, stop it. Does he call you babe um, over text? I love this. This yeah, is a great of relationship. Yeah, of course. But also like we're Brits. So everyone mm. is like a babe or a darling. It's, oh. it's, I think it's slightly different with Americans and um, 
with Americans and uh, and Brits and stuff like that. Um, because also I learned from working with Americans that like, you guys don't really put hugs or kisses at the end of your messages. No. And if you do, apparently that's like flirting. So it was really awkward with my agents where I was like, <laughs> thanks so much for the audition, guys. XOXO, XO. And they're like, you're welcome, Alex. Full stop. And of course, I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? What have I done? They hate me. And then after a few months, I was like, oh, Americans just don't do that. Whereas the Brits were like, darling, sweetie, I just can't wait to see you. So many hugs and kisses. There's a lack of emotion in a lot of our conversation and like anything business or even outside (laughs) of that, like people get weirded out with like hugs. So if you're suddenly XOXO in a conversation, they're like, dude. Do they like me? We work together. What's going on? I'm very confused. Like, there's maybe maybe we'd be happier overall if everyone was just more chill about that stuff instead of being Probably. uptight about it. And also, it's like you know, you can send someone in a, 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 an XO at the end, a hug and a kiss, and it doesn't mean you want to take off their knickers and get into bed with them. You yeah. know, like you might want to do that as well, but it could also just mean that you like them as a friend. I think you, you need know? to add one so- more XO at the end if that's your intention. That has to be the code. Or like yeah. now, you actually know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna start yeah. sending these to dm over twitter and stuff like that we started talking after the podcast we were talking about he got a very nerdy tangent about dragon ball z and i was all about that and he just now i'm just gonna talk to him about it and send him a whole bunch of hugs and kisses (laughs) see if he gets the hint yeah well yeah i'll definitely get it by the end of that no but that's lovely to hear that he said nice things that's very sweet oh he totally did because you could tell he had a passion for this and i think you when you're, I used to do like theater in high school and college and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And being around those people who have that experience, even if you have maybe some talent to begin with, actually having someone around to explain things to you and make you feel comfortable, mm. I think is vital. It sounds like he was like, I would not have been able to make it without Alex. During oh, this process. he would have. He's being very kind. He's being very kind, but he would have. I mean, that, you know, that young man is a star. Make no mistake about it. He he really is a star. He's just getting started. He's incredibly confident, powerful, self-knowing, kind, generous, loving, compassionate, open, emotional, talented. He's a star. He's He, he is going to be a star. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> Everyone listening to this podcast, seriously, five years from now, I, I would absolutely expect to see him on the red carpet at the Oscars. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Oh, I think he's that good. I hope so. Yeah, I think he's that good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was one of those podcasts that immediately after. I'm like, I want you in every game ever. Like, I want you yeah, to be in video games now. Like, can yeah. I talk to someone? Can I try to figure this out for you? Like, <laughs> no. he's just, yeah. I, but I don't want to talk entirely about him because he already had no, his own podcast. Uh, because <laughs> I mean, he I've loved done some... that. He's like, they're like, yeah, this when the whole podcast talked about me. <laughs> <laughs> I did some like internet digging on you in like a non creepy yes. way, just like mostly no, no. service level imdb stuff and go for it from what i read and i could be entirely wrong you know english yeah. french and just enough spanish to get by which i do see sí, solamente I'm, un poquito <laughs> see, I'm, <laughs> immediately i'm jealous because i bear I'm, i have a french last name but don't know any french at all but second <laughs> when you were learning all of that was that mm-hmm. to make yourself as castable as possible was oh that my god of, no going, oh really was it just like an interest <laughs> no, this that was happened all, no this was all my parents son my parents sent me to i mean i grew up in london mm. uh, my mum went to the french lycée in london So it was decided that I would go to the French Lycée as well. And it's just a really efficient way of having your children be bilingual, even though there's only one language spoken in the house. And, you know, my parents are quite international and cultured and fabulous and all the rest of it. And um, and so, yeah. That was that was basically the only reason that I went to the Lycée. I don't actually even have any French blood in me, but it was decided that, you know, it was a good thing to be bilingual and it gives you more access to the world. And, you know, huge parts of the world speak French. 
And then when I was at uh, the Lycée, I took Spanish uh, as, a, as a language. And so that's why I, I could get by in Spain. But, you know, I, I, alas, I don't think I could act entirely in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, with a bit of help, I could get up there, though. I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not too shit. I'm vaguely shit. I'm not too shit. <laughs> not so. too shit is something you should put on your resume. for. Yeah, not too shit like, at Spanish. Eh, like a little shit, but not too shit. Well, it's, yes. it's speaking <laughs> of differences between Americans and people in the UK and elsewhere, I, I feel like almost no one is bilingual here unless they <laughs> have like a use for it because in school we, yeah. it's like middle school you'll do like one quarter of spanish and one quarter of french and they're like all right you mm. take two years of a language you'll learn basically how to conjugate verbs and then you'll move on with your life and forget about it forever so when you hear <laughs> someone say like oh i know two languages and a little bit of another one you assume like for, this might just be me but i think it's a lot of americans are like no are you using that for something <laughs> I think that's fair to say, but also remember, you know, I read somewhere that the majority of Americans don't have passports because the majority of Americans never leave the country. It's never been outside of the country, so yep. So you know, so and and so in that case, you know, if you if you're never going to leave the country, you don't really need an extra language as, as well, you know. And I think that sometimes there can be a feeling of, you know, I mean. But, you know, let's be honest, like if you speak English, you've really won the lottery because English is the language of business. You know, English is the international language used everywhere in the world. Every country in the world learns English to a greater or less degree, mm. you know. Um, so and, and obviously Americans speak English. So, you know, it's like that. But, but I think it's important to not ever think that any one country is the center of the universe because no one country is. And that surely the world is better when countries come together and can communicate together and work together well yeah. i absolutely agree and i would assume you probably have to travel a lot for your job because there's I something do. like uh, we've talked about um divinity before with original sin and that team uh one of the writers is an old editor of mine kevin van ord and he moved to belgium for that job and i know yeah. there's a lot of different canadian and french studios that you like how much do you have to travel for? do you have to be on site whenever you're doing voice acting or can you just be at home and be like i'm going to talk into my computer and send you this, this file like how do you do that um so never at home on the computer because the equipment that you need is too high tech yeah. so always in a studio that would be that would be the first answer and second of all it depends so for example with divinity original sin that was actually all recorded in london for my parts but in divinity original sin one the first part they had a lot of the team come over from Belgium to London to sort of establish a way of working and, you know, just check that we got along. And, and I loved everyone involved in the project, which is why I was incredibly excited when they asked me back for Divinity Original Sin 2. And then that was again recorded at a studio in London. However, the whole of um, Assassin's Creed was all shot in Montreal where the French did come in useful, I've got to say. <laughs> the French was useful. See, and I there really was a imp- business reason Yeah, for it. and I was, like, impressing, you know, Zora and Abu, be like, don't worry, guys, I'll translate the menu. Don't worry, guys, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the taxi man where we're going. Don't worry, guys. Um, so, there was a, so there was that in Montreal. And then there's another game that I've been filming and recording that is not out yet and not announced, I'm afraid, so I can't say what it is. But that is being filmed and recorded. And then, like, if I someone really yells can't. at you, like, I can be like, well, I'll, I'll try to take this out. Actually, not be able to. Yeah. Um, it's not a title. I tell you what, it's not a title that I am commonly associated with, uh, and it's not 
it's well, it kind of it's not like it doesn't have dragons. Put okay, it that way. It's are there origin no dragons. stories in it? Uh, no. Well, oh, this might be something entirely Ishki. different for you then. Ishki, Ishki is absolutely <laughs> like Ishki a little bit. Like there's a starting of something, if that makes sense. This, you know, I like, like a, this is like twenty questions. I can just keep asking. Something that's like an or- origin esque thing, okay. but not quite. Anyway, it's not dragons, and it's not fantasy like that, but you might say it was sci-fi. Anyway, that's all being done in Finland, and um, I'm not sure when it's out. Maybe Wait, later this year. are you recording in London, and it's being sent to Finland, or are you going to Finland? Well, I've been doing a mixture of both. Uh, have I, or is that a lie? I'm trying to remember, <laughs> right? Wait. Uh, we've been shooting, because it's... Um, it's also a uh, performance captured uh, like uh, Assassin's Creed was, and that's been in Finland. Uh, so, and then little, little tiny pickups in London, but mainly in Finland. When you did do Assassin's Creed and you said you did a travel for that, how long are you staying during that time? Are you like <laughs> renting an apartment for a stretch and staying there? Or is it like a week at a time, then you fly back? Uh, it would be like, it was, I think the longest I was there was maybe three weeks, two to three weeks at a time. And then the shortest I was there was about five days. So it would really depend on the size of Aya's role in that particular chapter of the story, which the studio would call a bucket. So bucket one, bucket two, bucket three, bucket four, bucket five, so for example, like that. And then within each bucket the amount of days that you would be in Montreal working for would be dependent on the uh, size of Aya's role during that that bucket. Does that sort of make sense? Totally so it sense. varied hugely. Um, Abu was undoubtedly the, uh, the longest because he had the most to do. Looking back a bit, at what point did voice acting and motion capture for video games become something that you were not just aware of, but looked like a viable career choice because when we were younger, games weren't exactly at a level where this seemed like, okay, as my career, I am a voice actor, a voice actress. At what time was it kind of something where like, I might want to do this? Uh, I think when I was about 23 and really tired of waitressing (laughs) uh, was the honest answer. Um, I mean, listen, when I, when I started as well, I didn't know anyone that was really working. In fact, I didn't, I didn't know anyone that was working in voiceovers. It was something I'd kind of heard of, but I hadn't really explored. And um, I got off my butt and I went and I got a voice reel made. And then I, you know, it was in the day where you used to send letters, like physical letters in the post. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not Yeah. <laughs> and a headshot, you know, Whoa. so it would be like, your resume, your resume, and your Did headshot, you send, like, but like in the post. Of your voice? No, I'm not that fucking old. All right, <laughs> piss off. Um, <laughs> no, they were CDs. Okay, which stands for CD-ROM. In case you're wondering. Oh, okay. Um, wait, which stands for compact disc? Oh my god, I sound so stupid. Wait, what does CD stand for? Compact disc. <laughs> that's not going to get edited. <laughs> um, so I sent all that off, and and I was just really lucky. I landed an agent. And the first audition I ever went for was for Dragon Age Origins, and I got the role. And um, I was like, holy crap, I'm going to do two hours, and they're going to pay me for it? This is amazing. <laughs> and then I did two more hours, and I got paid again. And then I was like, wow, I, I really like this. And, and basically, I just kept going. And, and I, I, I really I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I feel so grateful to the voiceover industry as a whole for embracing me as as much as it has and as much as it does, you know. Mm. Um, 
I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the voiceover industry has been far more generous to me uh, than the on-screen industry has, you know. Um, and so you go where the work is and where you feel good and where you get to work with good people. You know, I think everyone would do that. That's a kind of human, it's a, it's a human desire. You want yeah. to work with good people and feel wanted and feel valued. And the, the gaming industry has really offered that to me. And I feel very grateful for that. So I, I just, I keep going for as long as they want me. Did you play a lot of games before you started actually getting roles in games? Nothing. Zero. Wow, I, didn't okay. even, I, did, I didn't even have a, a what are they called? The console. <laughs> you got it. See, you got that one. I didn't even have a console, so we've got a PS4 Has that now. changed at all? Since yeah, I have a PS4. I have a PS4. Okay. Um, and I always put the game in and have a little wander around and have a play, and you know, of course, like you, you know, of course, because because I'm vain. <laughs> like I want to know what I sounds like. You know, I wanted to play as the Inquisitor. Of course, I did. Yeah, absolutely. Is that still surreal? Hearing yourself in a game, walking yeah. around, and suddenly you're talking to yourself while you're holding a controller? Yeah, it is. And it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a really beautiful experience. Like, it's, it feels very rewarding. It feels very humbling. You know, I know a lot of actors who, you know, let's, let's, let's get real here for, for, you know, two seconds. Is like acting is a really hard industry and mm. not everyone is as lucky uh as people like Abu are, which is when they leave drama school and they immediately start working and the work just, the work builds more work, you know, and then he'll be working and working and working. And in my case, it's been, uh, it was much slower start, but then it got quite steady with the gaming and I feel in the gaming work and I feel really lucky with that. But I've also got a lot of friends who are far more talented than I am. And because they haven't got the job, they can't make any money and they start to drop off along the way. That's what you see is you see people leaving the business. And, you know, I have been in situations where it's been between me and a few other girls down to the last role of, I don't know what, but a certain project. And if I, I got that and then, you know, I heard that one of the girls who was a sort of acquaintance of mine, she left the industry. And I thought, you know, like that is the difference. That yeah. is the brutality of it is I got the job and I can afford to keep working and living and supporting myself as an actor. And this other girl didn't get the job and she decided that was it. And she left, you know, and Jeez. I'm no, no, I'm, I'm no more talented than she is, or I'm, I'm no more interesting. You know, she's a great actress, but it's brutal. And I think that's what happens is you really, value and appreciate the fact that people want to hire you because it's that precarious you know if I don't show up to work I don't get paid I don't get any sick leave I don't get any you don't get sick leave you don't get holiday pay it's all of that you know so you gotta be tough you know and I I'm sorry I've, I've lost your original question I'm so sorry I can't remember no, what it you, was you but made, I gave a better answer to a question I didn't even ask by the end of it so that worked <laughs> out perfectly like that's the roundabout but, way of answering everything like it's, <laughs> well, and it's you're right with a lot of this is I've talked to a lot of people who end up successful in this industry and it's hard to do yeah. so because there's not a lot of open spots and once people have mm -hmm. those open spots they hold on to them for dear life because they don't want to lose them and I, a mm -hmm. lot of people outside of it always say like oh it just takes hard work and I think that's a little disingenuous because it does take mm. hard work but sometimes it is right place right time the right role coming up that just works for you and there are these people who like you said might be just as talented or more talented but it just didn't work in that moment and to see them 
leave and say, maybe this isn't for me, it has to be kind of soul crushing when you see that because you're like, no, you just need one break. All you need is one break and this stuff will come. And it's not just hard work. It's luck. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I um, I uh, it's something I struggle with constantly. And I've been doing this for 10 years and I and I still struggle with it. And I still think, you know, is this the year I leave? Is this the year I quit? Is this the month I go? You know, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard. And it's treble hard for a woman, you know, and it's Mm. quadruple hard if you're a woman of color. I mean, forget it. Like, so it's just, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole rigmarole, you know, it really is. And there's so many, like, you know, I often think about how, um, I, uh, I was seen and I got you know, like relatively, I was in the mix, let's just say, when they were casting Daenerys and I was like in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, that would have changed everything. Oh, my God. You know, of course, like, and obviously Amelia Clark is a fucking genius. And yeah. I don't, you know, I don't regret it for a second. And I actually believe that the universe takes you to the jobs that are meant to be yours and the jobs that are meant to be yours come to you anyway. But it's so surreal when you see Game of Thrones be so huge and so massive, you know? Um, So I think there is, I think there is a huge amount of luck and the way that you look and who you are and what you've done and what you can do and can't do and all of that. There's so many factors. You'd go crazy if you were thinking about it all the time. Honestly, the best thing, the best thing I tried to do now is just don't take it personally don't take it personally which is ironic given it's an industry that demands that we bear our hearts and our souls you know yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's like such a weird it's like thing because if yeah. you suddenly don't get picked as a let's say a writer for something you're like okay well they still yeah. my writing we don't get picked as an on-screen actress you're like oh god they don't like me <laughs> yeah, like I, I presented myself I and like know. who i am and suddenly that didn't I work know. and even if you don't seem so like someone true. who dwells on things for that you just mentioned the game of thrones role is it hard not to think about that every once in a while? Like maybe it's like a Saturday and like you, you wake up, you're sitting with coffee and you're like, God damn, that was close, wasn't it? <laughs> no, actually, it really, it really isn't. I remember when I was learning the lines and I was running, I was living in LA and I was running up and down the beach in Manhattan Beach. And I can still remember it. It was like, my name is Daenerys St- Stormborn of the House Targaryen, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, I can't get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Help me, someone. I mean, I was probably appalling in the audition. So I so like, I definitely, it was not a, a role that was meant to be mine at yeah. all. Um, but there are, you know, Daenerys aside, there are other roles that I think I was more attached to, more involved with, more emotional about, more drawn to. And when you don't get those, th- that hurts. Yeah, of course. I mean, the the Game of Thrones one. I, I think uh, it, it was it was. I was still too removed. You know, I hadn't bonded with it in that way. But there are other roles that you do bond with other characters, and th- those are the ones that when you don't get those, you go. Ugh. And then I'm on IMDb, like, which fucking bitch got that job? <laughs> <laughs> like. I'm sorry, I'm actually not that bad. That makes me sound far worse than uh, I am. No, well, you started um, very positive about Abu, so I feel like you do have a very positive <laughs> side, and this is just the other side. Someone takes that role that you should have had. Um, I also, the other thing is, you know, if there are any other in particular actresses listening, you know, I really do believe that there is space for everyone, and there is space for everyone to be brilliant. You know, we are in an incredible age of television that, you know, uh, you, you've got something that will do, you know, some somewhere between eight 
to 24 episodes a season, for example. And then they'll run for four or five seasons, for example. And in each episode, the cast list can be anywhere between, you know, 10 to 100 people. Like, we're in an age that actors are working, and that's a beautiful thing, you know? And um, I think it's a great, I think it's a really good time in many ways to be in the industry. Um, and I think there's space for everyone at the top, yeah. you know, that people really want actors to be competitive against each other. And I think it's really divisive. And I think it's a way of breaking actors down and keeping them small and keeping them fearful. So that, so that each actor's like, it's mine, it's mine, you can't have it, I'm not going to share, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we never say that about authors, for example. Exactly. You know, we acknowledge that there is a space for this book and that book and a book about wizards and one about dragons and a book that's about dragons and wizards and a book that starts with wizards and then the wizards die and then the dragons come in, you know? And it's like, we never criticize those authors, you know? And nor should we. We acknowledge that there's space for everyone for every book on the shelf. And I actually personally, I, I believe that with the actors as well. And I'm much more in favor of actors standing together, working together and being a force for good for one another and everyone watching out for everyone's back in this industry. Because at the end of the day, the actors are on the same team. You know, we, we are the disposable ones in this industry. So we should sure as shit be looking out for each other and, and you know, fighting for each other, I think, if, yeah. if and when we can. You totally. Know? And there's not unlimited spots, of course, but with things like Netflix and you have like HBO yeah. Go, Amazon Prime, there's so many more avenues. There's so many shows yes. where suddenly I'll stumble upon it and fall in love with it and fall in love with the actors and actresses yes. and be like, I didn't know about this yesterday. And suddenly I just yes. want there to be a season three. And why isn't there a season three? And oh, God, yes. I canceled. But like there's so many things like that where even in, like you mentioned, with a writing or even a podcasting space, when people mm -hmm. talk to me and be like, are you competitive with the other people? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I think it's, I, I think we're all raising each other up. Like maybe yeah. there's, a, there's a, there's a friendly competitiveness because you want to do better or something like that, mm -hmm. but you want that person to succeed because it helps you succeed. And it, mm -hmm. just overall, it's, I, I think it's just every, everyone should be on the same team, even if mm -hmm. at times you might be in your case as an actress battling for the same spot. Of course. Yeah. I completely agree with everything you just said, to be honest. And you mentioned before, there's there's kind of a terrifying nature to this where you're like, is this the last one I'm going to do? Is this the last <laughs> thing I'm going to do this? Am I going to escape from this industry at some point? When yeah. you're, do you have to kind of balance movies, TV, and video games for maybe the fact that in your head you're like, I need to make sure I have as many opportunities to make money and stay relevant in this industry as possible because maybe suddenly the female roles for games dries up, which I don't think is going to happen anytime yeah. soon. I hope doesn't, but maybe if it does, are you balancing a lot of different types of roles to make sure you are maintaining as much work as possible? That's such a good question. I mean, gosh, that's such a good question. Actually, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, <laughs> yes, Victor, no, that's really, all I ever I'm want to hear <laughs> anyone ever say to me. And, and, I, and it's great because it's a question that's made me stop and really think about it, actually. Um so I think the honest answer would be that I am not quite at a stage in my visual career, so my on-screen career yet, mm. where I can pick and choose any role that I want. Like, certainly not. I'm not at that, that stage. I, of course, I have the power to say no to something, and I do if I don't like the script or something doesn't feel right, or, you know, maybe I met with the director and I'm like, mm, nah, he's a bit of a sleaze, but nah, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want that vibe. I don't want to work with that, you know? 
So, of course, I, you, as an actor, you always have the power to say no. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, my, my agent, my managers are very in tune with what I like. So if they put me up for something and if I get offered it, then it pretty much means that I, I want to do it and I'm going to do it, you know, because I, that's why I auditioned for it. Um, so I will often be taking as much screen work as I can. Um, I love the theater and I haven't done enough theater, um, especially as I love it so much. But last year I kind of put out to the universe that I wanted to do more theater and then I got offered a play and then it transferred or is transferring to Berlin and we're going to be in Berlin, uh, in April. Oh man. And then, and then we're going to be somewhere else in Europe in June with the same play for both transfers. And I feel so lucky yeah, because, awesome. because yeah, because then I really wanted to do it. And I think that was a good, um, just getting back to your question about balancing. Like I love the theater. I live for the theater, mm-hmm. you know, and within that regard, there's something, you know, there's something really closely linked about the theater and uh, video games, I would say, because when you are in the booth recording, you still get a live reaction from the two or three people on the other side of the glass, like cheering you on and going, yes, that was amazing. Oh my God, I love it. Or applauding or, or going, mm, no, like you read their reactions and that is what informs whether you do another take or not, for example. Yeah. And it's the same live reaction that you get with theater that I, I personally, I love so much. And so I feel very lucky that I've, and there's another pro- theater project that I'm attached to this year as well. So there's like two theatrical things going on this year. And I, I like that because I want to do more theatre. So I would say that is a conscious decision. And I think in terms of the games, I just want to keep doing like, you know, bigger, bolder, more brilliant games as, as they come to me. You know, um, I would love to do, I you know, I've made no secret about it. Um, and maybe I'm saying it because I want the universe to hear it and, and, to, and to employ me in this capacity. But, you know, I would love to do... Uh, a sort of really brilliant, emotionally driven performance captured trilogy. That that would be like my dream. Yeah. I think that would be uh, that would be amazing. Like a bit more some of the stuff that like Troy Baker gets to do, for example. Like that's so bloody brilliant, you know. Um, I'd like to do that. That would be my next cornerstone of gaming. Would be to do a trilogy. That's what I'd like to fight for next. You're on the I right think. podcast. I put out to the universe. I feel like I have <laughs> enough people listening to this who are involved in development. We're gonna make this happen. Let's oh, start some sort you. of like Twitter Thank hashtag you. campaign and get something going with Thank that. Thank you. No, that uh, would be amazing. <laughs> when you talk about the theater, I know I've talked asked someone about this recently. Yeah. When totally. I was doing theater in high school and college, mm-hmm. I remember. So I was this like nerdy kid in junior high and high school that like never spoke up but once i did theater because i was playing a character and not playing myself something opened up with me and my yeah something clicked i'm able to do this right yeah Yeah. i'm not embarrassing myself because i'm not playing me and i remember i did um true story high school Mm -hmm. i went on stage in front of my entire high school and we had this talent show and i sang this song for my girlfriend Mm -hmm. at the time i was like Mm -hmm. 16 and I remember just like shaking on, like, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I noticed I was shaking. Oh, and it was for the first you. time, <laughs> it was for the first time being like, I never get nervous. Why am I getting nervous now? And it was because mm. I wasn't playing a character anymore. I was playing myself. Maybe why is there a fun aspect to theater where, and a lot of this is your TV work is like this too, but you're playing someone else. You're stepping into someone else's shoes. Is that maybe a big aspect of why theater and maybe even games draw you're drawn to that because you're able to kind of not almost possess another character for a bit. 
I think so, definitely. I mean, one of the things I remember, I, I always wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to do anything else. And I wanted to be an actor before I knew what being an actor was, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I was already singing, dancing, performing, very vivid imagination when I was like three or four. And by the time I worked out what an actor was, I was like saying to my parents, I was like, I need to go to stage school immediately, immediately. <laughs> you know, and they were like, Alex, you are not going to stage school. I was like, why? Why are you ruining my life? I was eight, <laughs> by the way. I said this, I was eight. Um, <laughs> this wasn't like and, last year or anything no, like that. No, this was like, I was eight, uh, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the thing that I, I just loved as a kid so much, and I still love as an adult, and I still get such a high out of it, is I get to live different people's lives, yeah. man. Like, I get to do shit that I don't get to do in my real life. You know, I get to be a goddess, okay? Which, without giving any plot twists away, but, you know, they, they, I get to be a goddess. I get to save the world. I get to fight dragons. You know, I don't know when the last time you fought a dragon was, but Not it's recently. like, no. you know, it's like, and I guess it's your, you know, the play that I'm doing, I play the, um, I play the head of the military. I'm never going to be the head of the military in the real world, but you know, I love that I get to go away and do all this research and, uh, indulge in all these intellectual arguments that are, you know, pro-war and pro-gun and pro-nuclear weapons and things that I don't really know about, you know, and, I, I, Alex, am very anti-war and very anti-gun, you know, um, yeah. which I appreciate may uh, upset some of your American listeners, especially with what's going on now. But you have I don't to appreciate think my audience. I think okay. upset too many of them. I think they're <laughs> mostly like, on your side here. But it's also, you know, I am born and raised in the UK. I, the, the, it's, it's like we don't have guns. I've never seen a gun on the street in the UK ever. Yeah. You know. I've never feared for any, we, don't get me wrong, of course we have issues, like every country we have, you know, we've got teenagers getting stabbed, and that is atrocious and appalling, and that shouldn't happen, but the truth of it is, is that one knife does a hell of a lot less damage than one gun, yeah. you know, and it's like, I, uh, anyway, sorry, so I've diverted a little bit, but That's fine. Um, the, po okay the point being, <laughs> but the point being that, you know, play in, in this particular piece called What If Women Ruled the World by um, an Israeli artist called Yael Batana, in this piece, I'm playing the head of the military, and I've had to look into all of these arguments, and I find it fascinating and interesting, and th that's a, a gift of my job is the research that I get to do and the engagement of, of the brain. I, I love that. A yeah. lot of people will get cultured because they're reading books or watching documentaries or something like that. You're actually inhabiting characters who might have, yeah. kind of, like you said, different perspective, viewpoint, histories than yeah. you. And you learn that even if you don't land on the same page as those people, you're not suddenly going to be like, you know, guns are rad. I don't think that's going to happen to you. But yeah. you at least can understand that and uh, add some of that to your own Absolutely. repertoire. Absolutely. And then isn't that just the most hugely, uh, isn't that just like the biggest credit that we can give to the writers who yeah. are always the backbone of any project? You know, the, the backbone, you live, you, you live or die by the greatness of your script. You know, I cannot tell you how much I value good writers and the hours and hours that they spend slaving away over stuff. And one, I just want to respect that because I think that's the right thing to do. And two, I value it hugely, hugely, yeah. you know, because they give me the gift that allows me to do what I love. So, 
you know, long live the writers. That's what I say. No, absolutely. And then speaking of becoming specific characters, I mean, since you started doing games about 10 years ago, how much has the process of becoming a character changed? With, with Aya and Assassin's Creed, first off, you're one of the main characters. Second, you're doing a lot of motion capture like you had mentioned before. It's a lot more, it's just beyond your voice. To call it voice acting is almost disingenuous because you're <laughs> acting much, you know, way more beyond that. There's, there's a lot of more crazy stuff you're doing. So was this specific role different from a lot of what you've done or was there a lot of motion capture in some of the prior roles you were doing? Um, this was really different because it was the first time that I'd ever motion captured an entire performance. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't think I was quite ready for it because I still <laughs> kept eating donuts in the run up. And then I put the suit on and I was like, whoa, hey, Belle. <laughs> to which the animators said, don't worry, honey, you're going to be like six foot tall. We'll elongate all the mistakes on you. <laughs> it's like They didn't actually call them mistakes. They were so sweet. They were like... First of all, you look great, but second of all, we're making you into a kick-ass warrior, so keep eating the donuts. They were really nice to work with. Um, but yeah, I was really different because uh, performance capturing, hadn't done that. Certainly hadn't performance captured an entire role from start to finish. I'd done facial capture separately. I'd done motion capture separately, but I'd never performance captured the entire thing. So that was different with Aya. Second of all, uh, the, the scope of the game was ginormous. Um, to the point where I couldn't keep up with everything. And I'd got to Abu and I was like, hang on, did I kill so-and-so in the last bucket? And he was like, yeah, babe, you did. And I was like, okay, great. So this is all set. And he's like, yeah, 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 we're talking about the past. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, and, and that was a gift, is having someone like Abu, who is a huge fan of the series. I mean, that was a gift and a half because he really knew his Assassin's Creed lore. I mean, he really, really knew it. Well, that was one and, of the um, funniest parts of really talking helpful. to him because he mentioned yeah. like it was a surprise audition. I don't know if it's the same for you where they it was initially yes. like an animated show, then yes, you know, second audition. Was. They're like, by the way, this is Assassin's Creed. And he's like, oh shit, I love Assassin's yeah. Creed. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, and also he loved me, by the way, because he played Inquisition. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so that was, hey, double surprise. Uh, <laughs> um no, but it was uh, it was so helpful having someone who who knew the universe inside out and could explain so many little bits and bobs to me. He was like my own personal research assistant slash encyclopedia on the shoot, and uh, and also her voice was really is obviously really different to mine. It's lower. It's got an accent. You know, there's a, I'm rolling and tapping my R's because she's half Greek, and luckily I could do that because I speak French. But it was like there was a lot of work that went into. I haven't I have an entire file about her. You know, yeah. so um, so yeah, and I, I keep that file upstairs in my little in my little career box. Uh, but I'm very proud of that file that I built around Aya. You know, well, so it's you um, should yeah. be proud of it because people oh. love Bayek and they love Assassin's Creed. But from <laughs> everyone I've talked to, I'm not trying to put up you know a boost character down at all. But Aya was the person everyone's like, I want an expansion with just her. I want her origin oh. story. I want a sequel that just stars her. I mean. Just personally Thank from you. your Twitter or from any sort of social media that you use, what's the response been to that character compared to oh. the other characters you've played? It's It's been beautiful. I'm not going to lie. It's been really, yeah, I've been really humbled by it, to be honest, because Assassin's Creed was not, I'd, I'd heard of Assassin's Creed and I'd seen the film and all the rest of it, but, you know, and I knew it was huge and uh, I knew about Ubisoft, of course, but I don't think I really got the weight of the entire franchise and just feeling the love and the positivity. It's been so beautiful. And also, and I always say this in every interview I've ever given, 
about the gaming world, but like, how brilliant is it that the gaming industry is to a greater or lesser extent, it's an industry that fans are incredibly vocal about what they like and what they don't like. And they are super engaged with the storyline, the characters, the writers, the producers, the animators, the artists, the sound designers, everyone, right? And not only are they engaged, but like the companies often listen, you know, the, com- the companies, I-, I think, tend to pay attention and hopefully yes. they do pay attention to what people are saying. And certainly if they're not paying attention, they should be paying attention because it's like that's to, to, to bring money into it for a second, like that's where your commercial game is. You know, if you're a company and you're looking at these forums and seeing what people do or don't respond to, and then you deliver on that for your next project, like what's better than giving the fans what they want? You know, there's nothing better than that than giving the fans what they want. And, um, and I assume that also from a monetary point of view for them on a commercial aspect, like it makes sense because people, people tell you what they want, you know? Um, I certainly can't say if there's going to be a, a sequel to, to Aya's story or Bayek's story or not, but you know, if they offered it to me, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Of course I would, you yeah. know, a heartbeat, like, because the team's amazing. The people are amazing. The writing was great. The fan love was excellent. And I feel like, like people just got it with Aya, you know, people were like, shit, she is so strong, you know, or like, shit, she's a brilliant leader or like, God, the love that she has for Bayek and the love that Bayek has for her, you know, and, and the respect as a couple that they each have for each other, you know, and the pain that they go through, like people responded so well to all of it. And, um, it was really humbling and moving to see them say, yeah, we want more of Aya or why wasn't Aya in this a bit more? Because, you know, that, that you don't, you don't think that people are going to say that. That's where you go, oh my God, are they going to like the game? That was like, the first <laughs> thing is like, shit, are they even going to like it? Are they going to like the game as a whole? You know, that's yeah. your first thing. And then you go, well, is the game even going to sell or is it not going to sell? Okay, so they like the game, great. Okay, and people have bought the game, even better. And then like, you know, third or fourth down on your list is, okay, what do they think of the, the character as a whole? Did I do a shit job or did I do a good job? And then you look at, you know, well, how do they feel about the character? They're like, okay, so they they like the game, they bought the game, and then they're like, we like Aya. And then you see, you know, what what are they saying? What are they reacting to? You know, and that's really interesting. And um, I just feel like the fans got it. They got it, man, a thousand they, percent. They really did. And it almost yeah. feels wrong to just look at Bayek as the protagonist of the main character because it felt like dueling main characters to me. And it always did every time I played that yeah. game. And I maybe... With the history of games, you don't always expect that. There's always this strong male lead and the, the female yeah. life character is not as strong. And it was not that way at all with this game, which is yeah. really right. It, it, the, the writing has a lot to do with that, but the performance yeah. does too. And you, you spoke oh, about community you. before, and I yeah. think that's super fascinating because now that games do continue on after they're released, they, mm-hmm. online games need to be supported or just overall games have longer tails than they used to. There are companies like Ubisoft, especially mm. who invest in people who just develop the community and just listen to people. I've had Eric Pope on this podcast who did yeah. community development for For Honor. And yeah. that's a game that has continued to do well over the you know year and a half of its lifespan yeah, because yeah. there's people out there who give a fuck about what yeah. the, the audience has to say and yeah maybe sometimes it can and be toxic time to it yeah, yeah, yeah it can be toxic to a point where it's you can understand why people would want to ignore it but i think embracing the passion understanding they're not 
there are some people who are just trolls and jerks, but a lot of it comes of from this this place of passion where they want this thing they love to be better or they want to communicate their feelings. And I think as soon as you actually reach out and say, hey, I hear you, even if you're yelling, or yeah. just, I, I hear you. That's when they get, they they understand it and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, okay, I will stop acting this way, but let's, <laughs> let's communicate. Let's talk about what's wrong and how we can fix it. And I bet, yeah. again, you've probably seen a lot of that. Each actor will have their own interpretation as to what happened on the journey of making a product, whether it's a play or a game or a film or a TV show. Um, and then it really is just about like, how did the audience receive it? Because it could be a great experience making it or it could be a terrible experience making it. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, what does the audience get? You know, how do they experience it? And I suppose um, that it, I just the feedback's been so nice, you know, and people that I've worked with from before, like people from Bioware have reached out and been like, you know, even though you have now crossed to the dark side, uh, <laughs> no, no one from Bioware has said that. That was a joke. Okay. I just want to make that clear in case I, anyone tries to sue me uh, for anything. I don't know what. That's but, you the know, headline out of this. Don't you worry. Yeah. It's like people, you know, people from Bioware wrote to me and just said, you did an amazing job. And I felt really humbled by that, you know, and, uh, yeah, you did an amazing job and wish wish there was more of you, you know? That's so cool. Um, yeah. As we talked about before, where instead of being competitive, there's this certain aspect of, like, cheer these people on. Yeah, The better of that stuff is, the better your stuff is going to be. And you keep yeah. kind of progressing together. You mentioned before that Abu was the big fan of Assassin's Creed going in. But yes. I don't know how much previously you had known about the fact that, like, Assassin's Creed was this yearly thing and then took a year off. And the year off was to do Origins, which kind of came back as this, yeah. all right, we're going to re introduce assassin's creed back to people because for a while the quality was there but people just kind of got a little bit tired out by it year after year did Mm. you feel any of that pressure there's already these inherent pressures of are people going to like it are people going to care about these characters are people going to quote unquote get it but did you have that on your mind of we're reintroducing this and i'm one of the leading voices of that I think a little bit, yeah, because I, I struggled with Aya's voice at first. I couldn't quite find it. I, and I don't know why. I just, I, I was like, I was working on it and I was working on it and I was working on it and I felt frustrated and I didn't feel I quite had her. And I think certainly when I didn't feel I had her, I was really worried that I wasn't going to get her at all. Does that make sense? I was yeah. like, fuck, <laughs> I'm going to film for a year. I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing. Um, and then when I found her and then I went into rehearsals with a boo and we were practicing, I was like, Oh damn, like this is good. You know, I was (laughs) like, I was like, I was like, babe, we got this. Like, I was like, I was like, it was just working. It was just working really well. The Bayek and Aya combination, you know, together. Yeah. And, um, so that I believe, I always believed in and I always felt like quite confident in when we were filming it. But as I said, you never know how the audience is going to receive it ever, you know? So you do your best and you hope and you pray, you pray, but like, I can't guarantee that it's going to work. I think the times that I knew that there was a lot riding on this game were when I would see like the, the people that we were working with, our colleagues from Ubisoft who were working with us and you would see them like get tired or get stressed or they had the weight of the world on their shoulders. And, and, you know, you go like, these people are working really, really, really hard, you know, and for all of the right reasons, 
Um, but I sort of just wanted to scoop them up and uh, cover them in cotton wool and put them in a bath and give them a glass of wine and put like oh, whale so nice. birthing music, you know, yeah. like whale birthing music on the studios and stereo or something. Um, so, so, you know, I just, just wanted them to listen to birthing whales and just hopefully <laughs> just take a time out, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what it was is that the people that I was work that we were working with in such close proximity, they had so much riding on this, you know? And, um, and I wanted it to, to work for them, of course, you know, massively. Yeah. Um, but from what I understood about the whole taking two years off, I, I think it was a great idea. You know, I think, uh, from what I've, what I've read and I understand, like people really like the writing in this game and, you know, certainly I, I would guess that that improves when you take a year off. I would guess because you have double the so, amount of time yeah. and you, you can breathe you know? a bit because when it's like yeah. mind every single year, it's hard to improve upon past criticisms when you're already yeah. a year and a half into the development of something when the other one comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and, and I think it worked. So more power to Ubisoft. You know, I think they did a great one on this. Yeah, you mentioned how much pressure these people had and how hard they were working. I don't know how close you see the development team the coders and everything like that but something that's really prevalent in the games industry is crunch and just this idea of the last few months leading up to release yeah people are working people yeah people just working insane hours i had a co-creator yeah. halo on here talking about how this guy had to be hospitalized on bungee and almost like he passed out driving home just because they're working that yeah. much is that is that something I'm not trying to have you throw anyone under the bus, no, but no, is that something it. you've seen a lot while working in games, that attitude of that last few months where people are working just unsustainable hours? Um, I mean, yes, I would guess so. I've yeah. never, uh, luckily the actors, we don't get that because we're heavily unionized and therefore we're heavily protected. And I'm mm. not sure if the coders and the artists are as unionized as we are, for example, but I would imagine not. I'm guessing. I don't know if you know the answer I to this. I don't know, no. I, I don't know the answer to this, but they do. They work extraordinarily long hours. And by the way, it's not like I actually didn't see anyone have a breakdown or anything on Assassin's Creed, but I have a friend who works really high up in the visual effects world, like really high up on huge blockbuster movies from huge comic book franchises that you will all know the names of and all have seen in cinemas. And, you know, my friend has had nervous breakdowns working on the VFX for them and, and not just nervous breakdowns. Like he's lost teams of people because again, crunch time and you're working all hours and you've got to get this sequence for the rain to look absolutely perfect on, you know, a bionic arm or uh, an explosion or whatever. It's just, it's, I mean, it's crazy crazy when you're up against it you know um and uh and and yeah and you feel for them you know because they don't have a choice it's got to be done so it's yeah you feel for them yeah and i'm guessing like you mentioned it's it's beyond games it's a lot of this oh it's completely beyond games yeah in general where it just i've shot you know i've shot films where we're working 16 18 hour days like absolutely you know so it's and that's even with the union you know and it's exhausting but but i think also to anyone listening to this who works in the industry like we've all done it so it's not like it's not like my case is special does that make sense like yeah. i've got lots of girlfriends who've worked 16 hour days on tv shows like that's just what happens yeah you know so yeah, and I you get it done because that's you the problem get it done. It, it's a hard thing to just flip a switch and change you can't just say yeah oh, that's bad we should stop doing that and you're like all right yeah. cool. what's your solution like, yeah it's yeah, unfortunate. yeah, yeah. 
Um, you yeah, did yeah. mention the union before, and this is just something I don't know that much about. Maybe yeah, you don't, but I wanted to ask anyway. Um, do you know much about or were involved with, there was that, I think it was 2016 or 2017 video game voice actor strike. Was that something that you know about and they could talk about, or is that something you were completely separated from? Well, we don't, we didn't have it here in the UK is okay. the, is the short answer is that was, um, uh, that was an American based strike. I know that there were people in LA who were definitely friends of mine in the gaming industry in LA who supported the strike and stopped working for a bit as a protest. I would guess that therefore actors in New York did the same as well. Mm. Um, and it was a SAG, I think it was like a SAG actor disagreement um, with the, the studios about conditions and pay and safety and so on and so forth. Um, but it's not something I knew a huge amount because the uk is just really behind on laws like that so we don't have any we're lucky if we get a lunch break sometimes you know (laughs) so like it's like so it's just it's so different i mean sag is the most incredible union you know and it really fights for its actors and protects them and um and i think equity is definitely catching up but we're also Brits, so we're very polite. We're like, yes, please. Or if it's not too much inconvenience, if I could pop to the toilet, it has been three and a half hours now, if that's okay. Thank <laughs> that's you so much. Thank XO you so much. XO backfired yeah, that's where all the XO Suddenly it's like yeah. so many hugs and kisses. You're like, so oh, shit, I missed my lunch break because I just so XO'd true. all over the place. But, so you know, true. Again, I, I, <laughs> uh, I XO'd all over the place. Um, but yeah, so so uh, it's not something I knew a huge amount about, but I, I did know about it, but we haven't had the same equivalent here in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Definitely not yet. Yeah. Well, something you do know about, and a lot of people don't mm-hmm. don't know about. You work on projects before they're announced. Like we, I almost tried to get you to spoil before what you were working on. And <laughs> there's a lot of times you have to keep secrets about things that are really damn exciting. Because I know I've been a part yeah. of things that I've had to sign and say I, I sign NDAs, say like I can't talk about this, but you really yeah. want to talk about it. Is it difficult sometimes to keep shit like that under wraps that you're like? This is my next project and it's massive, something like Assassin's Creed, and I want to tell the world, but I can't. Yes, is the long answer. So yes. <laughs> Just yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Especially if it's like your grandma who really doesn't understand gaming, who oh, barely yeah. can work a like, television. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. like, has no idea. She's like, well, why are you filming an assassin? I don't understand. <laughs> in Egypt, what if they built you a set? And I'm like, no, the set's built in the computer, Grandma. She's like, but I don't understand. I don't have a computer. How do I do this? And it's like, no, 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 Grandma, Grandma. They built the set. It's on a, oh, don't, just don't worry about it, Grandma. Just don't tell anyone, okay? She, she's like, the perfect person to just confide things into. Like, yeah. oh, I'm doing this amazing role. Yeah. And she's like, awesome. I have no idea what you're talking about yeah although for grandma like the last time i was on television it was on at eight o'clock in the evening and she went oh that's far too late darling i really <laughs> can't be bothered to stay up that long and i was like thanks grandma uh, you know could she, like, like dvr it or i guess i don't know vhs dude it, it was eight o'clock it's not like it was 10 or 11 like, you know it was like, grandma leads. and then she, she wakes up she's a day drinker but, the worst thing is she called me during the ads and said, are you in the second half or can I go to bed now? Oh, no. Like, Grandma, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. You have to watch to the end, okay? Like, that is the law of being, you know, a, a blood relative. It's like, you have to Were watch to the, the end. Half, yes. Okay, that's good. That was the fucking point. Like, <laughs> why is she calling me to ask that, you know? um so oh. she makes me laugh but yeah um so so that's uh so that's that yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
so you can mostly keep it under wraps unless it's your grandma's involved then you can kind of tell yes them. i'm have you quite ever let yeah any, you were broken an nda have you ever let anything slip god darling like all the time really? <laughs> like, yes of course like i don't know, I don't know if you, have you gotten in trouble have you gotten like phone like, calls or something like that? no 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 i am i am very i look look, 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 look look i didn't fall off the christmas tree yesterday y'all hear what i'm saying <laughs> like like i did not um no i'm incredibly careful about who i would share something with and generally if i was gonna say share something it would uh it would be with someone who's probably actually not in the industry or anywhere near it. So, so, so like my grandma or my mum. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like they have no, they're not going to betray my trust, and they have no, they they don't have any of that like extra excitement that 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 you get that would cause you to to break someone's secret. Not because you're doing it out of malice, but out of excitement. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Oh, totally. So, like, if I was to if if I was to tell, let's use Assassin's Creed, but like. I wouldn't have told any gaming fans about that because there's a possibility that just because they're a fan and they're excited, they'll go, oh my God, oh my God, Alex is the next. Tweeted or put it on Reddit or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Alex is in the next Assassin's Creed, you know? So I I, I would never do that. I'm I'm careful in that regard. That's probably a smart way to handle it. Uh, Yeah. Do you have, this is probably a a, a hard question. Do you have a personal favorite character you've played? Uh, Because I'm sure there's a certain fondness for everyone. Like we mentioned before, you yeah. are you're, you're taking over these characters. You're learning something about them and about yourself over the course of the entire project. But is there a standout, maybe an early one, or even if you want to say, oh, yeah, that's totally fine, or you're just like, that was the most rewarding character I've played? I think for me, it's characters with, with really big emotional lives and emotional arcs. Wow. Like um, with Aya, I, I could have filmed an entire TV series about you her. Should. That's you know, I, I would love that. to like, like, you know, I, I would have done the Bayek and Aya, you know, television spinoff about everything, you know, how they met and Himu and his, and then that happens. And then the thing at <laughs> the end and that thing. But, you know, I, I would have, I, I loved Aya. I really did. And, um, and also the Inquisitor, you know, incredible emotional depth there and differences of, um, you know, who do you fall in love with? Who do you not fall in love with? Uh, you know, what happens between you and Solus, for example, all of these angles and avenues that you could explore. Basically anything with emotional, sound trainer, mass effect, anything with emotional depth, I, I get really into and involved with. And I would say that those are my favorite characters, just as a kind of, as a, as a general, I would say. You've done a lot of open world stuff. So I'm guessing that's yeah. something you're drawn to because there are all of these side aspects and branching conversation just yeah curious, is it weird when you're recording all of these branching dialogue tree type of lines that people might never hear or maybe even to take that a step further when you're talking about something like dragon age where you can either choose a male or a female protagonist is it kind of weird being like half the audience might never hear any of this stuff i'm recording um no because i never think about that truth okay. be told because i always it's a bit like when you step on stage on a different evening, but you're doing exactly the same play that you did the night before. But you know that this play is going to be completely different because it's a different audience. It's a different night. It's a different energy. You cannot replicate the same, the exact same play that you did the night before. And that's the beauty and the magic of it. And it's the same with when you're doing the open world branches. Actually, it's like every different opportunity is an opportunity to just share something new, share something different, you know? And um, I love that. So I, I, I want to give each recording the best of myself because you might be playing that so you might need that abu might play something different but he's going to need that 
that different thing, you know? That's actually probably similar to your analogy about theater. Someone might end up only like 20% of the audience might see this one thing, but for them, it's yeah. this very unique, cool thing. We're like, man, I got to see that because I did this at the right way in the game. And suddenly I saw this entirely different thing that my friends didn't see. And that's where you create yeah. more cooler moments where you're like, oh, my game turned out this way and your game turned <laughs> out that way. Uh, last thing, Alex, where can people find you on social media? And what are you working on right now that you can actually talk about? Slash, if you want to break. NBA's, you can do, that do you know what? It's really annoying, but I can't talk about it. Sorry. Oh, man. Am, Just I'm pretend doing... on your grandma and we can have a conversation about this stuff. I actually, do you know what? This this one I can't even tell my grandma about. Oh, no. Like, um, but, but I, yeah, so I'm basically, I'm working on something okay. until like May. So it's quite big. Um and uh and 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 i'm going to berlin in april to do uh, the transfer of what if women ruled the world awesome. which is the play that i mentioned and there are other little bits of, and bobs of like uh, stage readings and all this kind of stuff and i'm doing a lot of auditioning for pilot season because uh, it's pilot season um but but the great thing is is actually it's quite nice having a project based in london and knowing that i'm going to be here on terra firma until may you know that's quite nice and and they're super sweet and they've said that you know if i get something else i can go and take a few weeks off to do that um but so that's the thing that i'm afraid i can't tell anyone about and um on social media it's always at alex wilton regan so twitter is at alex wilton regan facebook is at alex wilton regan and instagram is at alex wilton regan Perfect. Alex, thanks so much for doing this. It's, it's oh, been... you're so welcome. It's so nice. You have such great questions. <laughs> I've loved this. I appreciate really it. That's good. I always, I, if everyone said that at the end of these interviews, I'd make me the happiest person in the world. I, <laughs> well, they should. You've always been someone who I've known about from different games I've played, but it really wasn't until Assassin's Creed where I was like, holy shit, I need to find your email. I need to find oh, one nice. of your man. I think you had like two managers on your site. I could be entirely wrong. I was like, I, we need to figure out a way to have a conversation again. Right? <laughs> if you ever need a hype person, uh, Abu is going to be your best choice because he also oh. made it be like, if you don't talk to her, I'm going to be angry at you level. Like, you need to have a conversation. <laughs> so I can't wait to see all these crazy projects that you can't talk about. I'm super oh, happy to see that you are thank doing you. theater stuff because that's a passion of mine and it is you know, wish you yeah. all the best and, in and well. for the rest of the year oh thank you darling thank you and look i would be very happy to come back on and talk to you when there's other stuff released that i'm allowed to talk about because it's it's oh, been really fun so thank you for having me i appreciate no, absolutely. it absolutely uh thanks again everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099